now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest? hour in podcasting. I am your host, Ralph Peterson. You can hear me. Let me make sure I can hear me as well. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so super excited to have my friend, Adam Pavlitz. Did I say it right? Pavlitz. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> pa- Pavlitz. I always want to add a vowel. So it's yes, Pavlitz. Everybody not, does it. Not Pavlitz. And I'm, in, I'm from South Florida. And when I was a kid, it was Adam Publix, the grocery <laughs> store. So, you know. <laughs> That is super funny. I would not have gotten Publix Publix. I could only be so fortunate to be the heir to the Publix throne, you know? I I hear, you know, my my last name is Peterson. And so there's a Peterson nut, like Peterson cashews. Have you ever heard of that? No, no. No, It's pretty famous up here anyway. Like every grocery store, every convenience store has like these hot cashews and called Peterson cashews. And I don't know. Listen, I don't know how much money you make selling cashews, <laughs> but it seems like a pretty good business. You know? <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Everyone's always like, oh, the, the, the cashew. I'm like, no, it's not. We're <laughs> the opposite of the cashew franchise is what we got going on yes. over here. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in South Florida, huh? Yeah, originally from Michigan, but um, moved down here when I was a kid. How old um, were you when you moved? Like five years old. Oh, so you don't even yeah. remember Michigan. I'm, I'm technically Floridian at this mm-hmm. point, you know, just Floridian by time spent. <laughs> why Why did your family move there? My dad was actually in the, like a traditional commercial cleaning business with his brothers, with, with my uncles in the Detroit area for, gosh, probably 15 years or so. And they, their claim to fame is they actually cleaned the Pontiac Silverdome. Wow. For a while before, obviously, you know, there was, it was demolished, but mm. years ago, and I guess there was a, a little bit of a falling out with the brothers at that time. You know, you work with your family for too long. Sometimes it's not what you hope it was. Um, mm. And so my dad, my grandmother, his mother lived down in the South Florida area. She was getting older. She wanted, she was sick of the Michigan cold. And so she moved down here. We went down to visit and he goes, why the heck am I, you know, dealing with all these? <laughs> I don't know if you're from the Midwest or or anyone's no, from the, the East Coast. The East Coast, the, the Midwest. There's especially Michigan. Michigan with all the lake effect. There's like eight out of ten gray days. Whereas when you're in South Florida, I mean, you know, nine out of ten are sunny days, too sunny even. And so he goes, let's get the heck out of here and just kind of uprooted us. And we moved to South Florida, I think, under the guise of taking care of his mother. Mom needs us. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so he and so he kind of moved us down and I've been down here for for the most part ever since. What do you mean? What is and forgive me for not knowing this. What is traditional cleaning? What do you mean? So by when that? I when I say so, because we're in Anago Cleaning Systems is commercial cleaning franchising. We always make that you know clear delineation between the, here's how the franchise model works and here's how a traditional cleaning. Got it. Got works. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So growing up in South Florida, what's that like as a kid? I have no complaints. I mean, it was fun. It was you know, it was. I don't. You know what? In thinking about it, I don't have a ton of like memories from when I was a little kid. That means I'm getting older. Yeah. Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or it was but uneventful. Like, Right. You know, uneventful. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was uneventful, you know, pretty typical, you know, going through all the schools and everything like that. And then I ended up going up to University of Florida, go Gators to college and and then kind of been bouncing around. <laughs> did, your, did your dad open another commercial cleaning company in Florida? So he actually worked when, he, when we first moved down. He actually worked for what we would consider a competitor now and for a very brief period you know, just kind of moved down. He goes, I need a job and worked for a competitor. And they were in franchising. They were Mm -hmm. actually kind of one of the first to do commercial cleaning franchising. And within literally like very few months, he goes, I can do this better. And, (laughs) and left them and started Anago and started Anago as a franchise style business. So that had to be like 20, 30 years ago. It was 89. It was 89. Yeah. When yeah, we were down in 89, it was by the end of that year that Anago was incorporated. Wow, that's so fun. 
What about as a kid? Did you work at all? Did you play sports? What did you do after high school? You know, during high school? I mean, I worked. I actually, I worked at Publix, ironically enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get it. You know, yeah. my name is in here already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, worked, I worked at Publix. I was, I, you know, I, I was, I've never been super athletic until maybe I got more athletic as I got older or maybe everyone else just slowed down. <laughs> but but no, I mean, you know, I, I think I wrestled a little bit freshman year and then I just, it wasn't for me. And I started working at Publix, you know, and what did you do at Publix? What literally, I mean, all of it. I was one of the bad influence kids. So I would, uh, I was hired as a bag boy, a bagger, but I would always sneak off and hang out with the stock clerk. So I just thought that was way more fun. And, and so they actually, because I did it and actually did a good job, they actually go, we're going to promote you to keep you here. And they made me a cashier. So you can't leave because you got customers. You know, <laughs> like, okay. yeah, and then eventually smart. I was promoted to a stock clerk there before I left for college. <laughs> My wife has a great story. She went to work for a grocery store called Wegmans, which is okay. popular yeah. here in New York. And she was a cheese counter girl. Cheese. And yeah, she worked at a cheese counter. And they liked her so much that they gave her a scholarship for college. Wow. And so it wasn't a lot of money, but it was something, you know, enough. And so she got a scholarship from the grocery store. And then every summer she'd come home from college, she'd still be working at the cheese counter. You know, (laughs) and it just to your point, like when you're an employer and you recognize you have a good worker and you want to try to entice them to stay put or to come back, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you do it? Right. So. Yeah. A promotion, you know, a scholarship, something just to keep you yeah. coming back, you know. Very smart. So how long did you so you obviously did that just through high school and then you went to yeah. college? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and then Florida um, State? No, God, no, I, don't I, say no, that. No, no, Florida State. Such so sacrilege. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, and interestingly enough, I went to University of Florida. University um, of Florida. And then I got my MBA from University of Miami. And then my wife went to Florida State. Oh, no. So, so, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a very interesting thing that happens on Saturdays in our home. (laughs) Total rivalry, you know. I say, say, you know, I teasingly say to her when I introduce people and say something like that, I'll go, well, my my wife went to Florida State, my money went to Miami, but my heart went to Florida. (laughs) Just wait a minute, my heart didn't didn't come with me? Well, it is now, but uh, right, exactly, right. Exactly. yeah, yeah, that's super fun. What did you study in college before you went for your MBA? Business. I was a business and specifically finance uh, was my major. I chose it, ironically enough. I chose it because when I was in high school, I just hated reading. And I go, what's my, my mom said, oh, you need to be a lawyer, be a lawyer, you know, be a doctor. And I deliberately chose the business college because of two reasons. Number one, it had less reading than the law school. Um, and it had no foreign language requirement. I hated uh, my foreign language stuff that I had to te- learn in high school. And so I deliberately chose business because no foreign language requirement, less reading than the lawyers. And in just the ultimate, you know, irony loves fools or something. I mean, literally, you know, 90% of my job is reviewing legal documents <laughs> and, and reading manuals. And I'm in, you know, and particularly in the franchising side, a heavily... Hispanic industry. And so literally half the work we do, we have to do in English and Spanish. So I mean, you know, <laughs> that's so I got out of it for four years and now it's my life. <laughs> yeah. Now it's your life. I wonder why didn't your dad pull you into the family business sooner? How was that? You know, he, he didn't actually really push on that until, gosh, I was, so I finished at Florida. I got into investment banking for a little bit because I was a finance major. Did it for a while, was working just ungodly hours. I mean, you like that though? You like no, investment? No, no, I can't imagine. I it's, it's cool to say like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an investment banker. Oh, I love Titles it. are fun. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, but I mean, I was working 90 hours a week. I mean, it was insanity. It was, you'd get a phone call on a Sunday and they go, hey, we need it. And you're the low man on the totem pole. We need a pitch book put together for such and such client. And oh, we need it by 830 Monday morning. And now your Sunday shot. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a very brief amount of time. And I go, I'm either, you know, doing this wrong or too stupid. And so maybe I need to go get more education. And that's when I enrolled in Miami to, to get my MBA. And then I actually went to, after that, I went to work for IBM. I stayed in finance. I was corporate really? finance. Wow. Um, moved to New York, White Plains area. I live right. That's I used to live in White Plains area, okay. Westchester. Yeah. yeah. I now yeah. live on Long Island. So yeah, okay. I'm right there. Okay. 
worked there and was there for a little over a year. And, you know, my kind of my story about, you know, because I've been asked this a few times now that they're like, well, you know, Fortune 100 company, like, what do you, why would you ever leave? I happened to be hired during one of those hiring waves in 2008. They were really growing. And then in 2009, as you can imagine, fell apart. Yeah. Everything fell apart. And, Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, here's the craziest part I wasn't one of the people, I was actually on the team who was working through the, you know, the who was being laid off. I was, I didn't have employee names. I had employee numbers. That's what Uh, everyone was. Everyone was an employee number to me. And we were going through and determining who got what and, and who we were going to ask to retire early. And, and it just, you know, to see that, you know, to go through that. And, you know, I was grateful to not be on the, to be on the team and not on the chopping block, I guess. But when you see that, you know, maybe next go around, I'm not on that team. I'm, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know, something, the light went out in me on, and on them. And, and I look, I don't blame, you know, it's a great company to work for. I have nothing to say about them, yeah, but I also, you know, when you're a company that employs hundreds of thousands of people, you know, everybody is to some degree, a bit of a number. And so I was down, I was down for the holidays, visiting my family and my dad goes, you got to check out this Anago thing. I think I got the tiger by the tail. At the time, I think they had. Say it again. He said, you know, come check it out. I think they had around somewhere in like maybe like 18, 15, 18 master franchise territory sold at that point. They were, I mean, they were growing. They were growing. And kind of, it was about six months later that I ended up joining. And of course, 2010? This is 2000, end of 2009 that I started a man ago. Okay. Uh, and he goes, congratulations on leaving your highfalutin finance job. <laughs> you, you know, your first job at Anago, you're going to be a telemarketer by day and a franchisee's assistant by night cleaning a daycare. <laughs> I love everything about this. This, You know what? Truth be told, I don't, I used to work for a company that is one of the largest cleaning companies, management cleaning companies that serves healthcare, which is what mm-hmm. I do is I, I work in healthcare. And everybody who works for that office, that corporate office, or it doesn't matter position, you go into finance, you go into collections, you're a secretary, you know, it doesn't, whatever the position, you start out with a mop bucket yeah. and a rag and you learn first and foremost what everybody does here. Like, hey, we want you to know what everybody does so there's no mistaken. We are a cleaning company. We are a professional cleaning company. And we don't want to shy away from it. We just want to make sure right. everybody's on the same page. And so I think it's the greatest thing that you started. You know, oh, yeah. by day you're making calls. By night you're running this broom. Right. And I, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was brutal. I'll be honest, because you're, you know, it was. That was before they had diaper genies. Okay. And so you would literally just have to take a deep breath. And there's, you know, hundreds of diapers. Just tie it off as fast as you can, and then. It was rough. You know, what's fun about that is I was talking to somebody recently and they said that one of the first things they do when they get a new client and they clean daycare centers too. And they said they go through and they buy them all brand new diaper genies. Like (laughs) they don't even, they don't, even if you have one, I'm going to buy, I'm going to make sure it's fine. It works. It's good. Because it is the difference maker. It's so <laughs> yes, funny. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. Sign here. All right. Here's your parting yeah. gift. It's your diaper exactly. genie. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, I worked through, I mean, so he had me work through every position. I did that for a little while. Then I moved to like the the actual outside, you know, outside sales piece to, you know, operations, customer service type stuff. And it was about about a year before I moved over to the corporate office. And then from there, it was like, okay, you're, I think my title was like franchise developer, which I don't even, I don't even know what that means. It basically meant, and I was in HR, which I don't know why I don't have any background <laughs> in HR, but it well, was had basically all that firing experience, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he, no, he was like, I want you to get a job description from everybody. And that was actually very helpful. I got a job description from everybody. We, you know, we did, we definitely did find over time, you know, some people that maybe weren't a great fit, but overall my role was to tra- basically travel the country and meet with the existing franchise master franchise base that we had, learn about them. And, and I'm a kid, right? I'm at that point, I'm 27. And so, and then some of these people had been with them for at that point, you know, five years, eight years, something, you know, maybe even 10. And so it's like, what the heck do I know? 
And so I had to, I had to approach it kind of, kind of like a servant leadership role. Like what else can we do for you? How do we make this better? How do we, you know, what else, how can we help you? And then it just, you know, now it's been, I've been here, is it 12 or 13 years now? I think it's 12 years. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> yeah, whoa. Housekeeping podcast. <laughs> now, I've, now I've been, uh, yeah, I've been here now for 12 years. And the, the joke is the previous president, he was born in West Virginia and then he went to school in Texas. And so he had this real like heavy country accent. And but he, and then he would speak in these kind of you know euphemisms of stuff where you're like but like that doesn't make any sense, and, you know. And he would always joke around saying you know oh you know when I and I'm gonna butcher his accent but you know it, it really lends to the to who he was. He would go you know I was when I left West Virginia my family told me to go to hell or Texas and I didn't want them to think I was a chicken, so I moved to Texas <laughs> and you're like, what? You're like what? But he called. But he called me, he goes, when they promoted me to president and he finally retired, he got me a, a business card holder and it said P-U-D-S-O-B-I-C. And I go, what, what is this? And I'll, I'll try to keep it clean for your podcast here. Please but do. It, but it was poor, unfortunate, dumb, S-O-B in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend from Argentina and he, I remember he came up with a turn of phrase once that just, it was a... Uh, well, that's just fresh as lettuce. Fresh as what? Lettuce. <laughs> Why is that a statement? I never heard that statement in my life. <laughs> fresh funny. as lettuce. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing. I don't, I don't know. So it's funny when you hear those little yeah. turn of phrases, right? E-O-D-S-O-B-I-C. That is the head of every cleaning company. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What What did your mom do? Are you the only child or do you have siblings? No, no. I, I have a sister. She's also actually involved in the business. She got into it a lot earlier than I did. and But she was kind of, she was the wild child. I was the nerd. And, is and she so, older or younger? She's older. She's a few years older than me. She got into the business and was working at the South Florida Master Franchise, just working in the accounting department. And she got into it before me. And that was just kind of, but she was always, you know, she was the wild one. I was the book smart nerd. And it works out really great, you know, long term to be a nerd, because it turns out nerds are going to rule the world now with all this technology. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, true uh, story. But no, but yeah, she's in the business. My parents actually separated when I was like in elementary school. So my mom has, was with the business a little bit back, way back in the day, but not since like, you know, I was like 10 years old or something. Yeah. What does she do? Her and my stepdad actually own a plumbing company. Yeah, that's so you've kind of been around this entrepreneurial spirit your whole life. You've been around people who really are movers and shakers and gutsy, gutsy people. You have to be gutsy if you want to be an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. No, it's something that, you know, it's funny. I I was in a fraternity in college and, you know, I was totally happy just, you know, partying. And I I became an officer. I went I I became an officer purely so that I, I, I was their VP of finance. Of a fraternity. I mean, like, what does that even mean, right? Buy the beer. <laughs> Balance the checkbook. <laughs> right, right. And I did it as like, okay, a resume booster type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I had one of the, you know, my fraternity brothers say, hey, you should run for president of the fraternity. And I had never considered it. And then they said that. And it was like their belief in me at that random moment made me go like, maybe I should. And I did. And I won. And I've had... I don't know. I've just every little thing in me, anytime I get to any corporation or any business I've worked with in the past, I'm always going like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? How do we go somewhere else? How do we go a little further forward? And it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just as much a curse as it is a blessing. I mean, I'm, I'm that type A person who doesn't stop, who doesn't shut off. You know, I'm, when my employees are like, please don't respond to this email because I know you're on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, you know, it's a good thing. And it's sometimes, you know, creates a little bit of conflict in the home, but you know, we are who we are, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those necessary qualities. If you want to be in the position you're in, there's no, I've never met a business owner or a president who doesn't want to win. Right. Right. I just never met them. Maybe they exist. I don't know. Maybe that's not true for business owners, but definitely for presidents. There are a lot of business owners I can't get to answer the phone, which makes no sense to me. I don't right. understand right. how I, you don't answer your phone. I, I think I, it. 
Well, I think, I mean, that kind of, you know, that's a kind of a perfect segue back to, so I can give a plug. <laughs> Please but, do. I mean, that, that is what our whole model is designed around with, with the franchise aspect of it, right? Because what's the, you know, like the statistics on small businesses are just awful, right? It's terrible. Like, Success like rate's terrible. Yeah, 50% fail in the first year. Mm-hmm. And then of the remaining 50, like 90% of those fail within the next three years. I mean, it's not, it's pretty bad. Like if you just did it from a pure statistical, you'd be like, nobody should start a business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the kind of the question that we hypothesize is like, well, why? Why is that? And what we kind of uncovered, at least, I don't have any like raw data or anything like that, but just in anecdotally and meeting with people and having conversations, it was, you know, someone goes, hey, Ralph, you're a phenomenal cook. You should start a restaurant. And you go, yeah, you're right. You know, great. And you go for it, right? And you just, someone gives you that push and you go for it. Or, hey, you know, you maybe you made some money one summer mowing lawns. You go, I'm going to start a landscaping business. And great. Good for you. Congratulations. That's, you know, that's, there's nothing more American than, you know, than giving it a shot of owning a business, right? But what the heck do you know as, you know, Ralph, the restaurateur about, you know, staffing, spoilage, turnover, recruiting, you know what I mean? Like all of these advertising, marketing. And it's like, what do you know about that? You don't. And so that's where a lot of times people know how to do like the operational side of the business, but don't know the business side of the business. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm in a Facebook group where there's a lot of that. There's a lot of first time entrepreneurs. Right. They're cleaning three houses. One of them is a family friend. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And they are struggling with how do you get to the level where you hire an employee, mm-hmm. right? How do you get to the level where you hire two employees, three employees? And the answer, which is very hard generally to explain because people don't understand it, but the answer is you have to stop cleaning and start running a business, right? Yeah. There is no way to be the cleaner and the business owner. Right. You right. could be the cleaner. And you can get a couple of bucks and you can get a couple of homes. But if you want to run a business, your business is no longer cleaning. Your right. business is hiring others to clean. Right. So right. then your business is hiring others. Right. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Getting contracts and, yeah. and the outreach and the marketing and the collections and the, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, collecting money. Can we talk about something more, even more difficult, right? Collecting, <laughs> getting paid is a bear. Is um, a bear. You can know, be. I would say in the commercial side, it's not horrible okay. um, yeah. just because we do, you know, we're more, uh, it's businesses. We set everybody up. We deliberately, I mean, over the last couple of years, moved everything to where it's like, we're going to, let's set up ACH or something like that. Mm-hmm. Smart. And, and in the commercial world, for some reason, like the sky could be falling, but people pay their janitor. Like the, our collections is, our la- anytime we're lacking collections, it's from lack of effort, not not, what is if I can ask? What is your DSO? Do you know? Um, I, I don't even. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I no. would, but I know from a national standpoint, less than one percent goes uncollected every year. Wow! I mean, it's very small amounts of money. In healthcare, again, the industry I where I so I run commercial cleaning companies in nursing homes, hospitals, right. that kind of thing, and it's rare. Like there are a lot of lot of places, a lot of healthcare facilities that do, like you say, pay you know regularly like on a clock. But still, DSO, day service is outstanding, which means how long does it take you to collect money? For those who don't know what DSO is, uh, it's, I mean, if you're at 45 days, you're doing pretty good. Right. You know, which 45 days 10 years ago was a crime. You know, really right. 45 days, you know, right. you know, you'd want that around 30 days or even zero days. To, right. You know, you get paid before service is rendered. So, oh, yeah, man, we, I- we deliberately, so the, here, I guess here's the nickel worth of free advice for anyone. We pre-bill. So yeah, I build, I build, you know, I've built September services. I built it at the beginning of August. Smart. Um, yeah. And we really push heavily going digital. And so we have an ACH program where a client can sign up, they get a discount for signing up. And then, but then, but for September services, the last absolute latest day you can decide you're going to pay for September services is September 30th. So we don't even allow it to get to, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks into the following month. And that has sped up our cash flow tremendously. I mean, Very great. That combination. Yeah. There's always going to be the little old lady who wants to pay mm-hmm. by a check still, but it's 2021 and most people, you go, listen, I'm going to fill this out. We'll take the deposit every month. It's automatic. You'll get an email invoice. Yep. You know what I mean? Most people go, yeah, I don't, I don't want to deal with the paper. Yeah. 
I like the ACH model too, which is automatic deposit, like direct deposit for checking right. account. I like that you're given a discount, like an incentive, like, a, right. you know, I'll give you a couple of points back and just to make it easier for all of us. And it becomes a no brainer. Right. Yeah. You know, we, credit cards, on the other hand, can be a little challenging because of the fees associated yeah. with it. Yeah. And we avoid credit cards like the plague. I mean, mm-hmm. if, unless, unless an, a customer is absolutely adamant that it has to be credit card. And the law, I mean, the laws are changing now, right? I mean, sir, it used to be, you know, if it was 500 bucks, it was $500, regardless if you paid by credit card, check, cash, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Now, some states, not every state, but some states, oddly, California being one that was okay with all of this. They go, Allowing. yeah, there is a cost, uh, you know, of paying by credit card. So we'll allow you to, to say, look, here's the credit card markup, basically. But it's still, I mean, of course, if a customer goes like, you know, I'm not going to pay that, you know, $8 or whatever, you just go, you know, you have to just swallow it. It's not worth eight bucks. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, there's, there's a cost to doing business, right? And right. that includes handling money, collecting money, paying out money, you know, there's a cost to all of that. And um, right. I think we're all wrestling with that right now. I know that I... It's a weird thing, you know, just in personal life, I have been weaned off of cash and I haven't been weaned off of cash because I wanted to. I did it quite against my will, you know, kicking and screaming and every place was just making it easier to use a credit card or a debit card and less easy or not less easy to use cash, just way more convenient to use a credit or a debit card. And now they're charging extra if you use a debit or credit card and I feel like they suckered me, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm like, wait a minute, 10 cents more per gallon of gas. If I use a credit, I didn't want to use a credit card. I didn't put the machines out here with, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what, what's happening? Like I'm, I'm one of those guys. That's a sucker for the, the points, right? The oh, travel me too. points me and too. stuff like that. Me too. Just because of my work, I, you know, I have to move around the country a lot. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm like Marriott, whatever, elite, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I have a it's bunch nice. of. I have. I literally have. I'm like one year away from being like platinum for life or something. <laughs> oh, nice. You know what I did? I mean, you know, don't tell anybody, but I, I was like, all right, now I gotta go get a Hilton Amex because I want yeah, to yeah. with those guys too, right? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that there's and that and again, we talk about a business model. That's a smart business model on the part of Amex or on the, on the part of Visa or whatever right, right. or Marriott to offer Delta, you know, Delta to offer those incentives to use it. It's just on us to pay that bill. Reg, you know, yeah. it's okay yeah. to use the Amex, pay it off. If you don't pay it off, then all of a sudden you're paying yeah. for your cash. Yeah, yeah. And that's and something, that's not- I mean, that's, I mean, we could all rewind all the way back to like, why isn't like learning how to use a credit card and balance a checkbook a high school class? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. A, that's a much longer winded argument of like, why, you know what I mean? We're not, we're not doing a lot to prepare people for the real world of like, no, that's not free money. It doesn't just, you don't just swipe it and, and look away. Like, no, 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 the bill is going to come due and you have to pay that. <laughs> There's a guy named Brian Tracy and he's a professional speaker, motivational speaker, sales guy, mm-hmm. very popular, very um, well-known. And he has this saying, he says, if they had wealth one and wealth two in high school, I would have taken it. You know, like, yeah. that's the thing that's missing. There's yeah. no classes on wealth. Yeah. There's no classes how, on money. How to invest in your 401k, uh, how to yeah. save, like that's. Seems like kind of crucial stuff. And I mean, that's, I mean, but you know, here we are with a government that spent how many, you know, $50 trillion or $40 trillion. Like we don't, I don't even know what that number means. Like, yeah, it doesn't even, it's so far above. It sounds like it's from a, you know, a space movie. Oh, there's 40 trillion simoleons, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my dad was a huge fan of space in that he loved to just lay on the grass somewhere in the dark and just look at stars and, you know, talk about everything. And there was, there's a spacecraft. Can't think of the name of the spacecraft at this moment, but there was a spacecraft that was launched in the early, in the late seventies and it's still traveling right now. But it, so it's, you know, they had to shut off its cameras to restore yeah. whatever. But so here's a statistic that he told me. And again, it just hurts my brain. Right. So he says that the spacecraft is traveling at 40,000 miles a minute. Wow. It is un. By itself, it's not no fuel and it. it's not being propelled. It's just traveling 40,000 miles a minute. And it would take something like, you know, 15 million light years for it to touch a star. Like there's no chance. Space is so big. There's no chance for it to run into anything. Right. Like, like what? Like it's, 
just imagine that you know the the type of numbers you're like what's a light year again yeah <laughs> <laughs> crazy crazy stuff so anago so anago is the company that you guys started it's a franchise company and yeah. man i'm so i'm so interested in the you keep calling them master franchises are there two different types of customers yeah so when most people think of franchising it's you kind of mentally go to the two tier you know like mcdonald's corporate and then the people who own restaurants um, ours is kind of by by design a three-tier model oh. so so there's the corporate office then what we call a master franchise and that's someone who kind of owns a specific territory usually you know by county lines so here in South Florida, the master territory is Dade Broward and Palm Beach. Where did you say you were located out of? Uh, I'm on Long Island. Long Island. So the guy who owns Long Island, he owns Queens County and Nassau and Suffolk. Yeah, I'm in Nassau. Um, okay. And in that territory, the best way to explain it is so kind of going back to what I was telling you about. So, you know, what do you know about restauranting? You know how to cook. A lot of look, clean, look cleaning is not rocket science. Okay. I mean, there's definitely better ways to do things. There's better equipment. There's best practices. But like the ability to clean is not rocket science. The business um, of cleaning is challenging, but the cleaning of, to your point. Right. Is the not. business of cleaning is mm -hmm. where is the difficult part. Mm -hmm. So what our model does is it actually takes the kind of the cleaning and the business of cleaning and separates them into two franchise opportunities. And so the master franchise is essentially doing kind of the easier way to explain it to maybe the, you know, the lay person who's outside of cleaning is like the day job or the night job. You know, you say, listen, the master franchise does the day job. So, right, they have to understand the sales, marketing, they're hiring salespeople, they're, they have the website, they're invoicing the customers, they're collecting the money from the customers, but that's it. They don't actually ever get into cleaning. And so they're now recruiting unit franchisees. And these are people who are coming in and going, look, I'm looking to make, you know, a couple bucks on the side. Maybe it grows into something bigger. They get in and they learn the equipment, the chemicals, they have, you know, they're taught, you know, at least best practices in terms of how to recruit uh, employees, but they don't have to worry at all about like, how do I get my next client? They can go to the master franchise and say, hey, I'd like the, my, I'd like two more clients, please. And of course, yes, there's a fee to it. It's a We call it a commission fee. Mm -hmm. um, but on the positive side for the unit franchise, they don't have to have a dedicated sales staff, a dedicated website a dedicated accounting collections person, any of that, because mm -hmm. the master franchise office does all of that stuff for them. It's kind of so like having a lot of work. bunch of, it's, it separates yeah, it's, the two. It's kind of like having a regional office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have the corporate, then you have regional offices. And from there, they're almost like independent contractors. They are. Yeah. That work for the regional office. Yeah. That makes total sense. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. So I was the reason I asked because you kept saying master, and I was like, oh, there must be some other way to go about this. And so, yeah, that makes total sense. That's really great. And so, what was your biggest like challenge over the last, you know, for every for all of us in healthcare, we never had a slowdown, right? There was right. never, we didn't close. Yeah, you know, I work in nursing homes, hospitals, senior care, so right. I, I don't clean like um we don't clean like dentist office, you know, not not that medical. Like actually, right. we're doing the the facility side. We never had a slowdown where I know a lot of friends who have commercial cleaning companies, you know, a bunch of offices closed, schools were right. closing, you right. know, residential side, people were working from home. And so a lot of those businesses were impacted. Yeah. How did it impact yours? You know, it, I mean, at first it was brutal on everybody. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of March, March, April, when it, when literally like the entire country was going into lockdowns and everything like that. I mean, we were you know, I mean, everything really, I mean, if, if I was, you know, we were on track, we were like, oh, we're growing. We, 2019, we had like 20% growth. We're going like, this is going to be the best year ever. Wow. 20%. And then, oh yeah, we were chugging along and then, you know, and we were on track, everything's growing. And then 20, you know, March, middle of March, 2020 and the, you know, the whole world shuts down and there was definitely, I mean, a huge pullback. I mean, for sure. And for us, you know, initially it was just like how we can't, we cannot over communicate during this. So I had, it started as twice a week and then eventually moved back to once a week, like calls with our master franchises kind of saying, here's what's, here's what we're seeing going on. Here's some additional materials we can get out your way. And here's what we you know, are recommending the communications you have with your, you know, your unit franchisees locally. We literally during the pandemic got together kind of our best and brightest 
and literally wrote a manual on, we call it protection plus disinfection. That's our like nice. trademark process. Yeah, nice. We wrote a whole manual, a certification process on it and made it, you know, that was kind of, that became our focus during the pandemic. And now even kind of, I don't know if we're coming out of it or just kind of learning to live with it or whatever you call it. But now that ends up being, ended up being kind of our primary focus. And and it's by, I was like by the end of, I want to say it was by, it was October or November of last year, our system-wide numbers were actually back above pre-pandemic levels. So it was, I mean, we, we offered a ton of support to our franchisees in terms of like financial breaks and royalty breaks and, you know, lots of stuff like that. You know, we really strong armed some suppliers at that time. You know, I think we all had to and go like, you know, I, need, I need these, you know, these, this PPE, I need these electrostatic sprayers. I need, you know, whatever you can get me, get me. But we, it was about October or November and we were back at kind of all time high numbers again. That's so awesome. it was. I mean, it was, you know, I, I get to our holiday party and I go, boy, what a decade this last year. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was, it was not fun, but you know, we, it was honestly, it was just over communicating. Like, I mean, constant, you know, I was definitely, I mean, we all probably took up, you know, small drinking habits during the yeah, yeah. period of life. I mean, it was, you know, just to get through the night, you know, cause you're working until 10 o'clock, just trying to keep everyone apprised of what the heck's going on. You know, what's you really can tell the difference between a company that's going to be successful and weather things and a company that doesn't. And the companies that are successful are facing the same challenges everybody else is, but they get together and go, how do we solve this? How do we fix this? How do we support? Right. How do we keep going? Like I, I have an operations manual that includes hurricanes and I'm in the Northeast where we don't deal with a lot of hurricanes. You know, right. we deal with a lot of after, aftermath of hurricanes, but not a lot of direct hit hurricanes. Right. But because there are a lot of hurricanes, you come up with an SOP on how to handle hurricanes, you know, and same thing for shootings. Like we don't have shootings in nursing homes, but some buildings, some facilities, some large populated areas have shootings. And so we have a contingency for sure, but like it's, it's just simply born out of what's going on. And a bunch of people going, Hey, maybe we should talk about this. All of a sudden we're taking notes. And before you know it, we're like, Hey, we have policy on, a strike, how to handle a union strike, how to yeah. handle a, a bomb threat, how to handle somebody who le- who's missing, how to, you know, and I think it's just the big, the big difference between successful smart companies and companies that aren't so successful right. is, you know, you guys get, like you said, your best and your brightest in a room and go, all right, what are we yeah. doing? Everything that, you know, our focus has been around, even in my own, you know, day to day, you know, we go, okay, we're a franchise and we're, because we're that three tier, everything we do has to be like replicatable, duplicatable, whatever it may, you know, whatever it may be. Very so easy. If it's yeah. not something that we can duplicate, then we haven't thought this process out enough. And so the, everything, we kind of attack everything from that. Like, how am I going to tell the guy who is the Houston master franchise owner and the Long Island master franchise owner? what to do so that he can also then relay that information to all his, you know, 30, 50, whatever unit franchise owners, and they all understand what to do. And then they can relay the exact procedure to their employees. I mean, that, you know, I mean, that's a lot of levels, you know, along. And so if it's not like, you know, I mean, very much, you know, if it's not very structured and organized, but also, you know, kiss, right. Simple, stupid, right. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not, if it doesn't fall into that, we haven't done a good enough job. In the military, they call it polka yoke which means dummy proof. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so you want to make it so that nobody gets it wrong. Right. Right. And you know, the, and McDonald's is just one of those companies that does a really good job. You could say that about all of them now, you know, like McDonald's, yeah. Burger King, Wendy's, you know, Jack in a box, whatever, but they all do it really well now. But for a long time, just imagine being part of that group. And you perhaps were where you're trying to create these out of stone, these systems, yeah. these communication methodologies. These, oh yeah. Wait, how do you? Because you know what's interesting is there's a company up here called Dunkin' Donuts. Do you guys have Dunkin' Donuts down yeah. there? Oh, yeah. good, 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 good. Okay, so Dunkin' Donuts, they are they started as an East Coast brand, but now they're national. But as an East Coast brand, all of their franchisers, all their stores, opened at five a.m. Right. And their corporate office opened at nine a.m. <laughs> and so there would be this four hour window where you would have business owners, franchise owners who unable to get their answers or questions yeah. answered because of, and so the corporate office 
started opening at 5 a.m. So everybody in corporate office began to work at five. So if you're the secretary, you're in at 5 a.m. If you're in finance, you're HR, you're in a five. Everybody started at the same time the franchisor started because of that reason, which yeah. I thought is really smart and, and, and interesting. But then ask the question, what happens when they grow outside the time zone? Because now you have to be available 24-7. Right. And I'm not even sure how they're handling it now. But to your point, it's all about now you're making all the systems super, super easy to understand, easy right. to communicate, easy to follow through with. So you don't have to have that 24-7 presence, which right. is, again, for commercial cleaning, probably one of the biggest challenges you find yourself working you know, from 7 a.m. till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night because you're gaining customers, you're building your business during the day, and then you're cleaning at night and you're handling crews and you're, you know, call outs and moving people and supplies and bringing vacuums over and this vacuum broke and I need a belt and we're out of toilet paper. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's exhausting sounding, right? I mean, <laughs> it really is. And, you know, what's funny is, is on the residential side, and I think at this point, the only thing that I haven't cleaned professionally, I've been cleaning my whole life and starting in condos and ski resorts and then cleaned houses for a while, then hotels and you know, then schools. My first job was actually cleaning my own high school, which is how I got the nickname The Housekeeper, which, by the way, was not a compliment. <laughs> 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 nothing, nothing worse than – you ever seen uh, Breakfast Club? Mm-hmm. The show, The Breakfast Club movie? Yeah. You know where he says hello to Carl, Carl's the maintenance guy? And he's like, yeah, your dad's the janitor, you know, like your, your dad works here or whatever. <laughs> and for some reason, he just knows the maintenance guy between my eighth and ninth grade of high school. So my, I get out of grade school at eighth grade going into high school that summer. I worked my first job, 15 years old. I worked in the high school as a janitor. So cleaning gum, learning how to do stripping and waxing, buffing machines, all that stuff. And so at the, when I start high school, ninth grade, again, I'm 15 years old. Who do I know? All the janitors, all, you know, Sally's cleaning the windows when I show up. She's like, hey, Ralph, it's your first day. It's so cool to see you. And they're like, your mom works here? And they're like, you know, I was, uh, I did the gym. Oh, you're a housekeeper. You know, so it was never a good, anyway. <laughs> yeah, my wife always gets a kick out of it when somebody, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a janitor. Yeah. Nice to meet you. I, I, really? I, yeah. I, I truly relish, like, I'll even show you, this is my business card, right? Like, this is how much I've taken it. That's how far I've taken it. My business card's a toilet. That's how far I've taken it. <laughs> but I, I've cleaned a, a lot of places. My only point is, that, and I've been in the cleaning industry in different various aspects for a long time. And when we cleaned, when I worked for a company cleaning houses, we would go, we would have our own supplies in our car, vacuum in the back seat. We'd get the chemicals, you know, the whatever. And then we'd go to this guy's office. He would give us all our assignments. We'd go to the houses. But there were a couple of houses that we cleaned that asked us to use their cleaning products. Right. So we'd get there and they'd say, please use ours. This is everything you have. You know, here's the window cleaner. Here's the deodorizer. Here's the toilet bowl. They wanted us to use their cleaners. And I just, and then I just, from there, kept thinking, why don't we ask everybody to provide their own favorite cleaners? Yeah. Why doesn't everybody, everybody already has their own vacuum. I've never cleaned a residential house that didn't already own their own cleaning supplies. That didn't already yeah. own their own rags didn't already have their own vacuum yet. We're bringing ours in, you know, and it just made no sense. And so I've been doing a little bit of coaching with residential cleanings and people getting new contracts. And I say to them with peace and love, I'm like, when you get a new contract, tell them, you know, part of the contract is you're bringing, you're going to provide your own supplies, you know? Yeah. If you like method cleaning products, great. Me too. Just have them on the counter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whatever you want us to use, we can't do that so much in commercial though. Right. Because right. they generally don't have the space for it. Right. You know, it's hard to even keep paper towels and toilet paper in their offices. Yeah. So. At, at, the, at residential, I actually am seeing that more and more and I'm not, not in the space personally, but adjacent um, enough where, you know, I know, you know, I know the people and that's where it kind of is going, especially with COVID because you go, I don't want a vacuum that's been in that guy's house coming into my house or, you know, rags that were used in someone else's, some stranger's house and mine. And so now, I mean, but, and now it helps, frankly, because the labor costs are just going through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, and so you go, look, my labor costs are going up, but now I've eliminated my supply and most of my equipment costs mm -hmm. and still make for a pretty profitable business if someone's doing residential right. But yeah, and, and then in commercial, 
the only places that really, you know, sometimes you have a janitor closet, but you're responsible for it because they mm-hmm. don't know, you know, oh, we use this particular kind of cleaner and it's, you know, one ounce per quart of how we mix the ultra concentrate of, <laughs> what, you know, they, they, I mean, God, I had, oh, I had, what was it? We were filming a training video and, and the guy was taking the concentrate bottle to fill like a glass cleaner concentrate to fill it. And he kept just squeezing it. And I'm like, what's taking so long? Why haven't we filmed the scene yet? And I walk in and here he is squeezing it and squeezing it and squeezing it. And I'm like, oh, you're not in the industry. You just, <laughs> I'm like, you were supposed to put two squeezes into that bottle and fill it up with water. Like, I'm like, that could take the paint off a car right now. Like, please, <laughs> please do not spray that anywhere. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, at the commercial level, yeah, customers have no idea. Yeah, they have no idea. You know, and then there's this big push for having all of your chemicals labeled, like our company labeled chemicals, which I think is nice. You know where I see that most effective as far as why would you have your own private label cleaning chemicals if for two reasons. One, because of the cost, right? Because you want to buy in bulk, which I understand. But also there might be like this small little marketing piece to it. Right. You're like, oh, we have our own chemicals and they have these beautiful labels and on them they have the SDS on them and all that stuff. Right. Quite honestly, nobody looks at your chemical bottles. <laughs> Nobody's right. looking. Nobody's even noticed there's cleaning chemicals in this facility, right? Like, you don't even <laughs> have. <laughs> that, so mean, a lot of times, yeah. That's a lot of times I just, no, I'm sorry. I'm just saying a lot of times I'm looking at these extra expenses. Not a lot, but a couple yeah. of pennies. You have 1,500 accounts. That's a lot of pennies, you know? Right. Right. We we never went to the white labeling chemicals. We Mm -hmm. decided, you know what, you know, don't go buy stuff from the dollar store, which is also something you got to combat occasionally. No, like, no, please. We don't want the lavender pine salt in here. (laughs) I mean, unless the client says that that we love lavender pine salt, then, you know, okay. But, you know, I mean, it's, we just, we said, you know, it's not for the amount of hassle that there is in terms of storage and trying to enforce these policies like let's just get everybody using the right proper like commercial grade stuff and not worry about it we've gotten creative though i mean you do have to do a little kind of shameless marketing occasionally so we went around and asked any customer that was more of like a public facing customer i have stickers with our name on like urinals and toilets and stuff like that because it's like you have a captive audience i mean literally for you know at least a minute (laughs) And so, you know, just little things like that, because most people have no idea who cleans their office. Oh, yeah, the cleaning girl or the cleaning guy, you know, the janitor, but they have no idea. And so it's it's something that you have to, you're always having to combat is like who cleans this place and how to make sure people know who you are. (laughs) Guerrilla marketing for cleaning companies is the name of the game. It really, really is. And I know two examples of guerrilla marketing that I think is super smart. One is a guy who fixes and repairs commercial laundries. And he goes to, he does mostly nursing homes and hospitals who have their own commercial laundry system. And he goes in and just to meet the maintenance director. And he says, Hey, I'm Ralph. I'm with, you know, so-and-so laundry equipment. I'd love to just, you know, give you a free assessment to somebody see your laundry equipment, you know, see if you have anything going on. They're more than happy to show, especially an old maintenance guy who just yeah. loves to talk, you know. So you get out in the laundry room and they're talking. He's like, oh, this is really great. And he's looking on the back and all that. The whole time, what he's there doing is adding a sticker. He's going to put a sticker, a silver sticker. So, you, you know, it looks professional like any other sticker. But it says, if repair needs repairs and it has phone number on it. So anytime <laughs> the machine breaks, they're going to call him. I mean, it's so smart. And then I know <laughs> this other company that does disaster restoration. And so they do clean up, like if you have water damage in your house, you know, the hot water tank explodes, something like that, whatever. And they too do the same thing. They do these free assessments, but then they're always adding stickers to the hot water tank, you know, like, you know, for any hazard cleanup, any, and so, you know, my God, the water's spewing out and they go, wait, it says right here, if you use water leak, call this number. (laughs) Who put that number there? I have no idea, but called them, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, when I bought my house, I had no idea. I didn't have, you know, I, I had a, it was my first, my last house, actually. First time home, I had no idea. There's a sticker on the pool pump. And that's been my pool guy now for <laughs> eight years or something. You know, it's phenomenal. Exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
That's brilliant. Get your stickers out there. Make sure they're professional. Have your phone number on there. Yeah. We fix whatever you fix. We clean whatever you clean. Phone number. That's it. Yep. (laughs) Super smart. Super smart. You know, before we go to go, I know we're running out of time here, but I'm curious, you know, when you first started with your, with Anago, you, is it Anago.com? Anagocleaning.com. Nice. Anagocleaning.com. When you first started with them, you were doing, did you say telemarketing during the day? Mm-hmm. What was that all about? How'd that go? Oh, man. Uh, telemarketing takes a special person and special I am not. It's, I mean, it's, and it's interesting because it's still a very effective way of generating appointments, right? It's I mean, the number one way I make money, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and by we, cold we calling. Have, yeah. We have an entire department now down in my office, 15 people. And that's on top of the what you know the some of the master franchises. A lot of them have someone locally in their office, and so this is just on top of that. It still works because you know you have to look. You have to have your website right because that's your expressed you know your expressed interest audience. Like whoever clean the is cleaning the office right now screwed something up, and now they're on there going you know get me a new cleaning company, and you got to be there. But then you know a lot of the time, a lot of it is timing. And so, you know, maybe they hadn't thought about it, but now you got them on the line and you're, you know, you keep pressing and all of a sudden they're going, yeah, you know, I I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, yeah, I'd love a quote. Sure. Just drop off a spare tire for me. Mm -hmm. And part of that is just that brand awareness. Like now they know you're a brand that exists in their, you know, that can clean their area. But it was, I mean, we actually, to this day, they call it the Adam rule. It took me, it took me a month. It took me 30 days to make 10 appointments. It was bad. I was bad at it. And now that's the Adam rule is if you can't, if when we make a new hire, we tell them, we go, listen, if you can't make 10 appointments in 30 days, it's just not a fit. You know, like, like, cause I could do that and I was horrible at it. So if you can't make what 10 was, days, what, what, what was your biggest struggle? What was your biggest challenge with it? I think, I mean, initially, you know, it's just nerves, you know, yeah. you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, you just don't know what, you don't know what to say. You just kind of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh, so you guys didn't have like a script you weren't going off of. We, I mean, we had a little bit of a script, but it wasn't, mm-hmm. I wish, I mean, in hindsight, I mean, this was 12 years ago now, I, you know, yeah. now we have scripts and trainings and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff we've put together back then. It was like, you'd, you know, you'd spend a day with one of the the old ladies who had been doing it for 10 years or whatever. And, and you just, okay, now, now, now swim, go. (laughs) You're free. Um, You know, I got creative though. I mean, I would, instead of saying (laughs) my telemarketing name was Alan Franago. And the reason it was, because first of all, every time I said Adam, for some reason, people thought I said Alan. So I just was like, let's just run with this. Who cares? I don't need to correct these people. And then Instead of saying, you know, Adam from Anago Cleaning Systems, and they go, okay, thanks, click. I just said Anago. And so nobody knows what the heck that means. And so sometimes now you drop a guy's first name and you say, hey, uh, is Ralph around? It's Alan Franago. And they go, they think I'm your friend. They think I know you. They, you know, oh, yeah, my buddy, you know, 20 years. We've been, you know, we go back. They put me through and I go, oh, hi, it's Adam Pavlitz from Anago Cleaning Systems. You know, you put, <laughs> But it was getting past that that gatekeeper. That gatekeeper can be a nightmare, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it was like, okay, I made a completely, you know, fictitious identity to, to, to do it sometimes. Because, you know, okay, you don't know how to say my name. You don't know what I do. I sound like I'm Ralph's friend. Let him through. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, let Ralph's old college buddy get hung up on. I mean, come on. <laughs> you, you, you know what? You know it's funny because I do mostly consulting, and my name and my business are the same. So it's Ralph Peterson, Ralph Peterson, right? Right. right. And so a lot of times I'll go, "Hi." So, so two things: one, nobody ever knows when I say Ralph. They're like Paul. So I should just become Paul. That's a good call. <laughs> just yes, Paul. It is. I should just change my name. And but they'll always say, "And who are you with?" And I'll be like, "Ah, crap, Ralph Peterson Consulting." But who is this? This is. This is stupid. This is Ralph Peterson. <laughs> I always feel dumb. I'm like, ah, could you just tell him it's Ralph? Why do we have to go into who am I with? Yeah. Uh, well, that's and that's why they said. Yeah, that's why I use the four. It's Franago, but it's from Anago. You know. I know. So I, I heard from Anago. The, I really. That's the, little, that's the nuance. That's the, what, the magic. <laughs> why Anago? What's the significance of that name? Is there? So my dad. Who named, is Anna, and where did she? Where did he want her to go? Yeah. That's the question. Anago. <laughs> 
It's a big mystery. Yeah. Now my dad named it and my grandmother is Greek. We're we, the kind of running joke is my grandmother's Greek and my grandfather on his side is Polish. And so my dad says, I'm a little Polish. I'm a little Greek. Some people might call me a preak. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Spelled P-R-E-E-K, not to be confused. Got it, got with it. <laughs> but um, she, she, I forgot the exact background, but it was like a friend was contemplating using that name. And he was, he kind of, he goes, what does it, he, he goes, what does it mean? And he was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly the backstory, but he basically told his mother, my grandmother, Hey, this is the name I'm thinking. And she goes, Oh my gosh. In Greek, that means, you know, is, is like, is blessed by God. And turns out it doesn't mean that. And I guess her Greek translation was off, but, but he went with it for a very long time. And it turns out it actually is, it is a Greek kind of Greek Latin origin. And it actually means to guide or uplift. And oh. it does have like a spiritual kind of undertone, I guess, in I its like usage. It. And so that, so now we kind of use that. And it actually, so it worked out well that we use that as, you know, kind of our mantra with our franchisees. Like we're here to guide or uplift them. That is very cool. That's really great. And I think when you're trying to name a company, like, you know, obviously I'm struggling, but uh, I kind of want everything to just be by me, you know, just uh, my name, my name, my name, my yeah. name, my name. There's reasons in, for it and against it, right? But anytime you're putting together a, a name of a company, I think that, you know, two things are really important. One, that it's easy to kind of get and spell and fit and all that. I would say three, actually, and it's available on as a website. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that could be important now. And it has good meaning. You know, it, it helps you tell a good backstory. Right. right. I love a good backstory. I love learning where people come from and how they go about things. And that's why I love doing the show. It's why I love meeting yeah. you today because it's so fun to kind of go all the way back and go, how did you, where did you, how is it possible? <laughs> and I think it's fun that you, 27 years before you went and helped your dad at his business. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a go it alone guy. I mean, I, you know, some people just, honestly, he said, he goes, honestly, the best thing he goes, if I was going to do it again, I would have made you go get a job somewhere else. And I, oh. and I actually, I have two little girls. I mean, you know, very young, like three years and one that's five, almost six months. I mean, very little. Very little, yeah. If they ever said to me, I want to get involved in the family business down the line. First, I would say you, exactly kind of what my dad said to me. You don't know anything. Literally, because what if, you, if I hired you directly out of college, all you have is a college education and everything you know about business is what I teach you. Mm -hmm. You need to go learn from somebody else, learn their system, learn how they think, learn what they do. And that's the benefit when you come back to the family business is now I had, you know, I, my background, I understood we don't have a, a CFO at the company because I know all of it because yeah, it's you my background. And so there's, you know, what is that? A hundred plus thousand dollars salary savings because I can just handle the financial stuff with, with a couple of accountants and a bookkeeper, you know, I mean, it's, I, you know, it's funny about that, about, about finances and how valuable it is in business and the understanding of it is I remember I had a friend who worked in finance for the company, the cleaning company that I worked with. And he asked me to go on some collection calls with him. And at first I was like, heck no, that sounds like the worst idea. Like <laughs> if you're going to spend a day doing anything, collecting isn't one of the things, but it was the best thing I ever did was learn about making sales, getting paid for those sales, collecting money owed, making agreements, you know, oh, yeah. DSO, understanding what DSO is, understanding, you know, how long it takes for some people to pay, what to do about it. It's the only reason why five years later, I'm still in business, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that education, that little piece. So understanding money and finances, super, super valuable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's and it's, and it's something, I mean, I, I look at it even, you know, and I'm doing, I'm kind of creative. I'm one of those people that, you know, if we have a, we have a cash surplus, well, the banks aren't paying squad anymore on your savings account. So we just, you know, just recently started saying like, let's invest it in an actual like brokerage account and invest it and grow it, you know, whatever we're going to spend on mm -hmm. like particular marketing projects or, or new operational things we're working on, we're going to spend. But we also think of it like, we think of everything as like a finance person was. So we say profit is our first line of expense. You know, like, what do you want to make? And then work your way backwards from mm -hmm. there rather exactly. than like, oh, cool. There's this much left at the end of the month. Like, no, Such no, no, no. Such a we, smart way of looking at it. Yeah. 
Profit is your first expense. I love that. It's very, very smart. Very smart. How can people get a hold of you? What is the what's the best way? Is it anagocleaning.com? Yeah. What about Anago. what about if I was in a different state? I'm in New York. How do I find the New York or is there a location? Yeah, there's a location. He, he's actually, I think he's anagolongisland.com, but it's all oh, kind okay. of built on one. I'm not smart enough on the web stuff. I That's something I wish I would have studied more, but it's all built through anagocleaning.com. You can find any of our locations. We're across, you know, almost all of the U.S. We have a few locations in Canada. Um, wow, very nice. So we're trying to grow. This year has been hard in terms of expanding our footprint. You know, a lot of people are, you know, stock markets at all-time highs, unemployment and there's all the, you know, the labor market's kind of a mess right now. And so people aren't leaving jobs right now, but on the master franchise side is where it's, you know, that's a multi hundred thousand dollar level investment. Whereas at the unit franchises, that's, I mean, that's a phenomenal opportunity right now. And we're selling them like it's going out of style just because people, I guess, I think last year, especially when you found out, Hey, you're not essential. You know, that word, God, they mean the, the politicians using that word, it was so cutting. You know, you're not essential because you're a bartender or a restaurant, you know, a waiter, waitress, whatever, and all these things that were deemed not essential. And as you know, cleaning, you know, you don't you don't fire the janitor in the middle of the germ outbreak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so even though there was there was definitely a rough patch, you know, for everybody, you know, coming out of it, now people are going. I need, I can't just have, you know, Mop and Misty, the, you know, some random local cleaning company that I don't know anything about. I want someone who has procedures, who has methods, who has, you know, germ mitigation policies and what are they going to do to disinfect my office and, and all of that stuff that, you know, that a lot of us, you know, had to either learn or adopt in the last year. And so the unit franchise opportunity right now is booming. I mean, it's probably... We probably sold more unit franchises in the last maybe ten months than than we did in you know the year before that, a year and a year and a half before that. If you don't mind, I, I know I'm already over the time here, but can you just walk me through that? Like, so what is what would I have to? What kind of person or position would I have to be in right now to be one of those franchisers? Not the, the master, the, but the master franchise or no, the not the master, the unit manager, the so unit the, franchise. The unit franchise, it, it's. I mean, if I'm a solo person, could I just come in and? Yeah. It, what are, What are my qualifications? What do I need to have in order to start one with you? So the a, a lot of it comes down to. I mean, obviously, it comes down to interest, right? To get in, it's roughly around twenty five hundred bucks down. That's um, super inexpensive. Very low cost. I mean, the wow. idea is to get people in the door. Because most people, quite frankly, when they do get into commercial cleaning, nobody, look, nobody goes, I want to be a janitor when I grow up. Okay. It's just, that's unfortunately you know, I did. It, I think it is, it is on it page is 893 of the skills assessment. Book. <laughs> <laughs> what do you is, want to be? Uh, it is the reality of our industry, yeah. but it's also something where, you know, I, I think it was like Wayne Heisinger or someone who said like successful people do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. A million percent, and then, yeah. And then you have like, you know, companies like waste management where it's like a multi-billion dollar, you know, empire of garbage. My friend Casey Everson in Utah is uh he owns a company called Bin Blasters. They clean mm. garbage cans for residential houses. Yeah. I mean, it, there's right. money literally everywhere. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. It's willing to go work for it. But yeah, I mean, so it's it's inexpensive. It's like twenty five hundred bucks down. I think there's another the all in you're at like maybe like eight to 10 grand. Not expensive. And a lot of that's financed. And that includes like all the training. It includes, you know, if it's an optional supply package that you can add on to that. Love it. And then what you're buying as a new unit franchise owner is how much business do you want to start with? And so we gauge that, right? So like if, you know, someone comes in and, and it's like, how much cleaning experience do you have? None, but I want $10,000 a month. We're like, let's talk about $2,000 a month, <laughs> you know, like, you know, we, you know, we have to gauge it because you don't want to set someone up to fail, but it's, you know, someone, most people buy $2,000 a month or less to start. And so you're all in, it's like at the high end, like 15, 18 grand. And now you have a couple thousand dollars worth of revenue every month. It's guaranteed for the first year. So if you lose it or anything like that, as long as it's not like you were doing drugs or something mm -hmm. on there, you know, I mean, it, you know, the, the client closes or whatever, we'll get you another account. Don't worry mm -hmm. about it. 
And then so you even help with acquisitions. Oh yeah. That that wow. is what the master franchise does, is they're so all they focus great. totally on client acquisition. This is a fantastic side hustle. Like it doesn't yes. even have to be your main job because most of the cleaning is happening at night anyway. Exactly. You know, five PM till nine, ten, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that's the, what it is. It starts the, as so many people's side hustle. Mm-hmm. And then and now I have, you know, unit franchise owners. Who I have a lady that I literally just met with two days ago named Gloria in the in the, in my market. I also own the South Florida Master Market. She's doing sixty grand a month. She, you know, what I mean, she's killing it. <laughs> and all through, and how many salespeople does she have? Zero. <laughs> I could I could use sixty another sixty yeah. grand a month. Yeah. You know, myself. You know, Me I could too. use. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that sounds so fantastic. And so it's simply maybe just an application process. You just go to the website, anagocleaning.com. Yeah. Say there's a franchise button, interested in franchising. That's it. Set up a call. It's super easy. Simple. It's that simple. And obviously, you know, franchise it. rules where you got to give them the big, the, the disclosure document, the big gigantic book and all that stuff. But it's, mm-hmm. but some, you meet with someone and they walk you through all of that, depending on what, if you're in Long Island, we have, you know, an office there. If you're in, San Jose, we have an office there. If you're in Detroit, we have an office there. I mean, we're literally you just go on anagocleaning.com and it, it'll show you where you need to go. Oh, so great. So great. I love everything about it. I, it's super smart. I think it's so, you know, what you're offering is really the difference between trying to both, how do you come up with systems and operations and, and clean and provide a good service? And how do you get the accounts? You're taking both those guessworks right out of it, and you're saying, right. "Hey, if you have the time, you have the labor, you have the will, you, you have some, you know, some discipline, some responsibility, a very low investment, yeah, upfront." What a great idea! What a great business model! Really it's, great business it's, model. It's a fun one for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I really loved learning. Like I said before, I'm such a big fan of how people got into this business and. And it seems like you were born into it, even though you maybe you know took a little time. I was baptized by fire and baptized by fire. <laughs> yeah, I am always, always, always so because nobody has the same story. Everybody gets here in so many different ways. I'm always just so impressed by people's journey and their willingness yeah. to learn and grow and get it wrong and keep moving forward. It's so great, and it's uh, yeah. definitely what it sounds like your story is. So. Thank you. Uh, Hey, man, my pleasure. This was fun. (laughs) Yeah, really great time. That's it for us here at the Housekeepers Podcast. Please make sure that you like and review the show. If you like the show, make sure you're telling people about the show. If you want more information about Adam Pavlitz. 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 Super close. Pavlitz and Anago Cleaning. Go to anagocleaning.com. All that information will be in the show notes, of course. Otherwise, that's it for Adam. I am Ralph Peterson, and we will see you guys later. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their website are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.